Lord, before we begin here tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. Father, I just pray over the remainder of this service, God, that your will would be done and your will would be accomplished. Uh, Father, I pray that your word as it goes forth, uh, Lord, that you would change it from, from my mouth, Father, to the hearts of these people that are listening here and listening online. Uh, Father, that you would speak to us tonight, God, that your word would become living and alive and powerful, and God, it would pierce all the way through us, Jesus, Lord, to, to get right down to where we're living, God. And Lord, I just give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, we're going to look at pretty good at bad decisions. Is anybody pretty good at bad decisions? I know if I pass the mic around tonight and I ask what everybody's best decision was, you, you know, we're in church, so it's, you know, kind of a fair assumption that most of you would say the best decision, you know, is that I've made is living for God or, you know, you may look at, you know, your spouse may be like, you know, this is your answer and uh, that I'm your best decision, you know, um, but, it, you know, if I were to pass the mic around and ask what everybody's bad, worst decision was, now that'd be something, huh? So we're going to, no, we're not going to do that. And luckily for you all, God doesn't, you know, give me any ideas of what you all are doing or what all of your bad decisions are be, so I, I can't put anything up behind me tonight and uh, give all those bad decisions of what you've been doing. But when I was born, so I'm the first grandchild um, on my dad's side, and so when I was born, um, way back in 1982, um, I know, it's not, that, it's not that far back, I know. Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, he was talking to us tonight. He's, uh, so my grandparents thought it would be a good idea to take out a whole life insurance policy um, on each of the grandkids. And if you know anything about whole life policies, there's a, uh, uh, like a life insurance piece, and then there's a cash value piece. And so every month, my grandparents faithfully paid that whole life insurance bill. And they took out one on each of the grandkids as, as we were born. And I don't know how many grandkids there are or how many cousins that I have. There's five or six or seven of us. And so when I turned 30 goodness, what was it, 32, I believe, my, uh, my grandparents, which I didn't even know that they had done this, and then so when I turned 32, they, um, I, don't, I don't know if they signed it over to us, or they basically gave it to us to where we had possession of it, and when I heard about this, I was like, wow, 30 years, I'm like, that, you know, I was 32 at the time-ish, and we're, I'm like, wow, 30 years of paying into a whole life, or whole life insurance policy. I was like, there's probably going to be some cash value that I'm going to get to cash out because I follow Dave Ramsey, and I know that if someone's giving you a whole life policy or if you have one, you should cash it out and go get some terms. So I was like, hey, we already had term in place. I'm going to cash this out. We're going you know, to do something great for the house, pay the house down. You know, it's it's got to be a good amount of money over 32 years, you would think. At least that's what I was thinking and hoping. And so when we got the possession of it, and it, it came, and I looked up and I looked up how much the cash value was worth, I was a little still grateful, but not as excited. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, 32 years of putting money away. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be a pretty good, you know, a pretty good amount of money. I'm thinking new car. We're going to pay this townhouse off we're living. It's, you know, we're going in the right direction here financially. Um, but that cash value is $4,000. 
And I'm like, $4,000. You know, I'm like, thank you, Grandma. You know, I'm, like, I'm still thankful, people. I'm like, someone writes you a check for $4,000. You're not turning it away, okay? I'm, <laughs> you're like, thank you. I, I can use that, praise God. And so um, I was like, you know, thank you, Grandma. But, you know, knowing the little that I do know about finances is that if my grandparents would have made just a little bit of different decision 32 years ago and maybe put it into a stock market or even, heck, buried it into the ground, uh, it would have been more than $4,000. And so you're asking, well, what in the world does that have to do with anything about tonight? Well, every month or in more than that cases, weekly, we are making deposits into something. We are making decisions. Just as my grandparents faithfully month in and month out over 32 years and then, you know, that was the popular thing to do back in the 1980s because those life insurance folks, you know, and again, if you're life insurance, I'm certainly not bashing you tonight. Um, I just think there's some better products, that's all. Um, especially for investing. If you're going to do investing, don't do it through a whole life insurance policy. So if you have one, this is free. Throw eggs later. But get some term. Take care of your family. Cash out. Get some good term. Do some investing get out of debt, whatever. Okay, done. Um, But we, tonight, again, we're making an investment. And we make it weekly. Some of us make it daily into this thing. And so we're building a legacy. And when we look out 30 years, what kind of legacy do we want? And what are we building? And when pastor asked me to speak about a week and a half ago, I was like, I kind of, (laughs) when he texted me, I'm like, like, I didn't have anything. It was like, God's not speaking to me right now. And so I was just like, you know, just like, I'm not going to reply back. I'm just going to wait and just, just give it a second here. And God, is this really something you want me to do? And you guys are all like, are you sure you heard? <laughs> anyway, so we'll move. <laughs> um, and so what God gave me, he, was, he said, talk about decisions. And then Mother Day happened, and Sister Jackie did a wonderful job um, at Mother's Day, and there was just this theme of decisions. And then Pastor uh, talking about John last Wednesday, and there was just this theme of decisions, and then Sunday about holiness, and there's just been this theme about decisions. And just, so I just felt this, this overwhelming confirmation that, hey, God is trying to help us um, with our decision-making. And so since we're making this investment and we're spending all this time and spending all this money and this energy, um, how do we make sure that we are making decisions that when we get to 30 years later and we pass this thing off, just like my grandparents passed that whole life insurance policy off to me, because really if they would put it into the market, that 4,000 would have looked probably something more like 16 or 20, 20,000, 25,000 maybe, over 32 years of investing, a month in and month out. And so really she could have bought me a brand new, you know, a decision 32 years ago, you know, could have been a brand new car or even half of a home. And so just something so little as what they did back then, if they would have made just a little bit different decision or maybe a better decision all that time later, all of those month-in and month-out investments, or the, the, when they were making, writing those checks out for all of us grandkids, it, it could have really been something. And so we have to be careful that the decisions that we're making today, that the deposits we're doing today, that 30 years from now, they're actually worth something. Praise God. And so how do we guard against this? 
these daily decisions that we're making, these daily deposits of investments that we're making, and, and it's really just as simple as a decision ladder. Now, you can call it a decision tree, decision ladder, uh, you know, a worldview of how you make decisions, call it whatever you want, but what we really all need is something that when we get to a decision, or maybe even something even before we get to the decision, that we've already decided what decision we're going to make. And so I call it my decision ladder, and again, this is my decision ladder, so again, it's, I mean, it's not, you know, you don't have to use it, and hopefully you have a decision ladder, praise God, and I know some of you do, because um, you're reaping benefits of decisions you've made 30 years ago, praise God, or 20 or 10 or 5. And so the first thing on my decision ladder is that decisions should be prayed about. Well, that's a novel idea, <laughs> but... Sometimes we don't, we, sometimes we pray for the big things, but we're not always praying for the daily small things. And it's sometimes it's in those daily small things where we should be praying. And this is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay? And so Paul didn't give to that church. He didn't give a qualifier that said, well, you know, just pray about who you're going to marry or pray about what church you go to or um, you know, pray about what house you're going to buy. But he said, pray about everything. And so, you know, sometimes it, it may seem trivial or it may seem ridiculous to pray over a trip to Walmart or a trip to Target. Um, but he says, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Okay. And so obviously we know that. And then that, again, that sounds like, hello, that's, that's so basic. So, you know, rudimentary or whatever that really, did you have to tell me that? But, but again, we have to remember, we have to keep training ourselves to pray about everything. Because sometimes we can just get so busy in life and work and routine and maintain and the kids that if we're not making time, if we're not making diligent time to pray about everything, then if you read on in verse 6 through 7 of that chapter, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. It says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard our hearts. Praise God. So again, we, the first thing, every decision, we've got to pray about it. Next decision thing on the ladder is that decisions should align to God's word. Pretty simple, but again, every decision we make, does it align to God's word? When I'm praying about it, can I find it in the word? What principles can I pull from the word that, that aligns to this decision that is going to help me make the best decision? Proverbs says it like this way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Paul tells Timothy, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And so that explains it to somebody else, but hey, also we need to be able to explain it to ourselves. That, hey, is this decision that I'm about to make, does it, have I prayed about it, and does it align with God's word? And so sometimes, even if we do pray, and sometimes even if it is in God's word, it, sometimes, again, we're human. So sometimes we need number three, which is decisions should be discussed. And so if you're married, you know, obviously you know, and if you've ever made a decision without your spouse's approval, you know about it, or you heard about it later. <laughs> yeah, careful. Careful is right. 
And so some, but maybe it's not a spouse, but a pastor. Um, a pastor, God, God, I mean, God has given us pastors because God gives them things that we can't see. And when God gives them, we, you know, when we're aligned with them and when we're open to them and when they, when they know that they have free access to come to us at any moment and say, hey, you're not doing this right, and they, they can hopefully expect that we're going to have a broken and a contrite spirit and that we're going to be humble and say, hey, I know that he is getting things from God that I can't always get for myself. An accountability partner, parents, trusted friends. Facebook is not on this list. <laughs> Please do not go to Facebook to discuss your life decisions. Okay? People don't always have your best intentions. They don't always have a heart for you. They're just like, man, they've got it really bad. Let's go talk about it. This is what Proverbs says. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Proverbs 15.22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. And I know these scriptures aren't up here behind me. Trust me, we're going to get to some scriptures that are going to be up there. So just enjoy the listening. Proverbs 24 says, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on many advisors. And so sometimes, again, we're in this Western civilization, Western culture, where we're just like, hey, I'm my own person. I don't need nobody. I could do it myself. I'm smart enough. I'm talented enough. I'm strong enough. Um, You know, we're very prideful. And so we don't want anybody knowing what's going on. I mean, my parents never had some conversations with me about certain things that they probably should have. (laughs) Because, you know, we don't know how to have these conversations. We don't talk about our decisions. You know, we're, we're very prideful. Um, sometimes, and so we don't we don't share what's going on or what decisions we're making. Um, but the Bible is pretty clear. And hey, if you want to succeed, go find wise people and share with them. Because sometimes when you say something out loud, like when you're mad at somebody and you kind of just talk out loud and say, "Hey, well, this is the situation that's going on," sometimes just saying it out loud decreases that that issue. Because you're like, you're hearing yourself say it out loud, and you're like, that's really stupid. <laughs> I need to grow up. I need to be more mature. Okay, so we've got pray about it. Does it align to God's word? Who's your sphere of influence that can help you make decisions? And the next one is, does it pass the BQE? And you may be like, well, what's the BQE? The BQE is the best question ever. And if you've never read Andy Stanley's book, The Best Question Ever, I highly recommend that you go get it and read it. But basically, it's based on my past experience my future hopes and dreams, my present circumstances, God, pastor, spouse, self, what's the wise thing for me to do? What's the wise decision? And again, our decisions are personal. Each of us come at life and we have different experiences. We're on a different trail, different journey, different things have happened to us. You know, we struggle with different things that someone next to us doesn't struggle with. And so this journey with God, it's a very, it's a personal one. And so Again, based on everything in my past, based on where I'm looking, and based on my present circumstances, you know, is this even a wise thing to do? And then does it pass the QBQ? And if you've never read John Miller's question behind the question, it's all about personal accountability. And this is what James says about about that. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget that you have a booger hanging out of your nose. 
Oh, um, whoop, that was the message version. Sorry. Some good stuff in the message version. Rice Krispie Treat recipes. I mean, it's, it's, it's all there. It's good stuff. But he says, you forget what you look like if you don't listen and obey. He says in verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says you don't, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And so there's this personal accountability. And, these, and sometimes we, in our mind, we can ask questions that lead us away from personal accountability. And so we can, we can phrase things where we put where we put the decision on somebody else or we put the blame on somebody else. And really what we need to do is ask better questions that says, hey, what, what could I have done better or what can I do now or it's on me. Instead of waiting on somebody else, I need to take personal accountability when I see it in the word. It doesn't matter what that person's doing. If I've seen it in the word, I need to respond to it and obey it. And then because I love finances, uh, my wife's always telling me I need to find a different job, something that aligns more with my passions. Um, for me, I have Dave Ramsey as a, as a little rung on my ladder that says, hey, does this even pass what Dave Ramsey is teaching about personal finance? And if it's not Dave Ramsey, you know, go find somebody. But you need to have some sort of plan. God talks a whole lot about money in the Bible, and it's just part of our life. You can't, you're, you can't just go hide in a cave somewhere, okay? You have to, you're, we all go to work. We all have money. So for me, when it comes to making decisions about, you know, investing, the house we're buying, the car we're buying, the things we're doing, you know, does it even align, you know, to some good, sound financial principles? And I know Dave Ramsey in a lot of houses is a cuss word. But you got to make some good financial decisions because, again, 30 years ago, my grandparents thought they were making a great financial decision for us grandkids. And 32 years later, all of that dedication, all that hard work, all their resources became $4,000. Like, like 32 years. It could have been, you see what I'm saying. You can see why I'm so passionate about personal finances because, hey, a little's decisions 30 years ago for many of you would have looked like, a whole, lot of, a whole lot of different uh, in the bank. Praise God. So we're going to jump to Proverbs chapter 7, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And we are going to look, and kind of just with everything we've kind of talked about with this decision ladder, we're going to look um, at some words from Solomon and uh, see if we can't apply um, this decision ladder or why it's so important to make good decisions. So Proverbs 7, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version. I believe the version behind you is going to be the New Living Translation. So we're going to get a good kind of overview of a couple different translations of what Solomon is saying. And I'm sure most of it's going to pretty much be kind of a line up to the same. So in verse 1, it says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. It says, and I love how the Amplified Version says, So they are readily available to guide you. When it comes time to make a decision, you must decide to pre-decide. Okay, some decisions in life, if you haven't pre-decided, it's going to be too late when you, get, when you get there to make a decision. We've got to pre-decide some things, folks. We've got to say, no, 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 I'm making a decision today. Well, I'm not in that. That decision has never come this way, but I'm making a decision today because if it does come, I would have already decided to pre-decide. And one of those is, you know, especially if you're married, if you're, a, you know, if you're a guy, for me, it's like, hey, we, you don't ride alone with someone from the opposite sex. 
Unless it's your mom or something, okay? <laughs> Hear what I'm saying. <laughs> or your grandmother, come on now. Um, or your wife, you can do that. Um, that's allowed still, I think. I guess it depends on if you've told her about your decisions. You may want to do that. You may want to sit in the back with the kids. Um, but it's just good practice for some things not to do. Bible lets us know, hey, flee all appearances of evil. Okay? We, some things you just decide not to do. We're going to decide that, hey, before we get there, before we get into a situation like this, we're going to decide. Okay? Verse 2 says, keep my commands and live and keep my teaching and law as the apple of your eye. And so Solomon is saying, hey, keep these commandments, keep these laws front and center. Think about them all the time. Put them out there to where they're constantly in front of you. And they're the center thing. And it's the most important thing. Because sometimes, I mean, you can just get tired. <laughs> uh, if you've ever, you know, most of you have, have had kids or you've been around kids. And if you have more than one or two or three or if you have more than three, I'm not sure how you're doing that. I'm not sure how I'm doing it with three. But you can just get tired. Going to work, getting up, kids up in the middle of the night, if you have a dog, we have a dog. Um, we bought an awning and put, the, put an awning up, and, and the wind's now the wind. Like, so I'm in like two nights in the last week. I've been like outside holding the awning down at two in the morning. You think I'm laughing, but my wife can attest, okay? So I'm like, we just put this awning up, and, you know, there's back to these, just, you know, Again, I, I just thought it would have been a good... I didn't ask anybody. Like, hey, should I have put this awning up in Liberty with all of the wind? Someone would have been like, don't do that. Not wise. Do any of your neighbors have these kind of awnings? No. None of my neighbors have these awnings. So two times in the last week, I've been out doing the Moses thing here, holding this thing down, watching the clouds. You think it's funny. I'm tired. It's not funny. But I'm just saying, this is exactly why we need to make good decisions. Because at 2 a.m. in the morning, you don't... Jesus, 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 Jesus. You laugh. I'm tired. Verse 3 says, Bind them securely on your fingers and write them on the table of your heart. Solomon is saying, hey, you need external signs and you need internal signs. You need something that's out where you can see it, and you need to put it in your heart. And one of the first things that you'll notice when you walk into pastor's house, sits there off to the left on their little wall there, they have a family creed in their little formal dining room if you've ever been in their house, and they list, this is what the Dornbach family is. This is what we're about. And it's front and center. And when they're eating, which they probably don't always eat in there, but... Y- when they walk by, when you come in through the front door, you see it. It's right there. It's big. It's the wall. I mean, you know. They have a family creed, and it's what they're about. And we need these signs out in front of us. These six decision ladder trees, I have them on my notepad on my computer at work. Every time my computer boots up at work, this little notepad boots up, and I see these six things. And I'm reminded every day, hey, these are this is where you're, this is how you make decisions, Kevin. Kevin, this is how you make decisions, okay? Praise God. Verse 4 says, say to, say to skillfully and godly wisdom, you are my sister, 
and regard understanding and intelligent insight as your intimate friends. And so this is basically Solomon saying, you know, tell it everything. Tell wisdom everything. You know, if you are a sister or a mom, you know, like my wife talks to her mom all the time. Talks to her sister all the time. I'm like, I talk to my parents like <laughs> once in a blue moon. <laughs> like, you know, I know they're doing fine. <laughs> we just, I, I don't, I struggle with that. But my wife, you know, she'll tell her mom, like, they talk every day. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying every day talk to wisdom. Every day when you're making decisions, talk to godly understanding, to godly wisdom. Talk about everything. And why are we doing this? Why is it important? It says, verse 5, it says, that it may keep you from the immoral woman, from the foreigner who does not observe God's laws and who flatters with her smooth words. Now, again, I know that Solomon is principally talking to his sons and future sons about the immoral woman. But if you've ever read through the Bible, there's a lot of immoral things that we should stay away from. Paul to the church in Corinth says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Now, I'm not the pastor, but that's the word. And if you're a person in here and you're doing anything outside of the marriage covenant, you should probably stop. I don't, it's kind of awkward. But you should stop. You should tell pastor and get reconciliation with God. It's against the word. And again, we're trying to build something here. Together, corporately, we are trying to build something for future generations, for the city of liberty, for your home. We're trying to build something here. And if there's sexual immorality running rampant among us, it's going to take away from the thing that we're building. Paul in Romans 13, 13 says, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Do not participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or in and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Excuse me. And so the Bible makes it clear that, hey, I know Solomon in this chapter is mainly possibly just only talking about the immoral woman, but there are a lot of immoral things that we need to stay away from. And I'm not going to give you a whole list of those. Um, you know what, you, you know, many of you know what they are, and they're all listed out in the Word. And so the wisdom and insight Solomon is giving is not good just for keeping away from, from the immoral woman, but for all immoral living. And then in verse 6, he says, For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and among the naive, or the inexperienced and gullible, I saw among the youths a young man lacking good sense. Passing through the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And so what is Solomon seeing? He is seeing the same thing that many of us have seen. If you've ever looked at it, someone, and you could see the path that they're on, and you're like, mm. yep, there's nothing at the end of that hill. <laughs> you're going to fall off. You're going to make a bad decision. <laughs> you're headed for a bad decision. And so the truth here is, is that, hey, every decision we make, it, they're all public decisions. <laughs> we all think that, hey, everything that I do, it's a little my little life, and it's my little privacy, and I, you know, I can do whatever I want, and, but... Folks, we don't make decisions in a vacuum, that our vacuums impact our families, impact our church community, impact our community at large in liberty. I mean, they, they, are, they impact everything. 
And so if we were to stop, though, and say, look at that young man and say, young man, what are you thinking? He'd be like, well, don't judge me. <laughs> this is my life. I can handle this. I know what I'm doing. You know, and if you've ever talked to someone and you've ever been like, hey, please don't, please don't do that. <laughs> and they're like, nah, this is, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I appreciate that, brother. You know? And they're like, you know, you know that they're about to fall off the cliff. And you're just like, you can see it happen. So it's not judging. It's just like, hey, I can see what you're doing. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I can just see what you're doing. And it's not going to end well. But I'm, it's not judging because you're doing it. And that's, you're open about it. And you're not trying to hide it. So I'm not, I'm not really judging. You're just, if you do that, you're going to fall off the cliff. Verse 10, it says, And there a woman met him, dressed as a prostitute and sly and cunning of heart. She was boisterous and rebellious. She would not stay at home. At times she was in the streets, at times in the marketplaces, lurking and setting her ambush at every corner. The traps of this world and the world's ways are everywhere. And it really does matter what we listen to, what we watch, what we listen to, the places we go, the things that we read. It really does matter because Satan and the enemy of our soul and this world, and it's, setting tra it's trying to trap us at every corner. Every time, every, anything that we wake up, every time that we wake up, every time that we leave our house, there's billboards, if you're at the grocery store, there's magazines, it, it, if you're at the workplace, there's the workplace conversations around the watering hole, everywhere you go, there are traps that are being set for your soul to get you off course, to get you distracted, to get you focused on something else that doesn't even matter, it's trying to get you to look that way or to think about that or to focus on that. Praise God. Verse 13, it says, She caught him and kissed him, and with a brazen and impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, that you might share with me the feast of my offering. Diligently I sought your face, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings and cushions of tapestry, with colored fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, oils, or aloes, cinnamon. Come, let us drink and fill our love until morning. Let us console and delight ourselves with love. So she told him exactly what he wanted to hear. That thing that he wanted to hear, that thing that he was looking for, he found it. He heard it. And he was looking for something that was outside of God's word, outside of God's ways, outside of God's timing, and he found it. Verse 19 says, For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. Wait, what? She's like, hey, my husband's at home. <laughs> or not home. <laughs> and he's gone. He's, he's going to be coming back. And so this guy, he had multiple chances in this story, even before now, to stop and be like, hey, did I pray about this? Um, is this aligning to God's word? Have I asked anybody that I should, should I be, should I really be here? Hey, pastor, should I be over here? Mom, dad, should I, should I be over here? You know, he had multiple, if he would have gone through a decision tree, he would have got, never been here. Never allowed himself to get this far into it, to get this far sucked in, to get this far focused. And then she's just like, hey, my husband's not home. I was like, what? Whoa. Like, there's a sign. But he's so into it. He's so, like, past reason that, like, she's just saying, all, you know, hey, whatever. It just doesn't even matter. At this point, he's, like, so focused in, so made up his mind that she's like, hey, my husband's not even home. Like, here's your sign. <laughs> 
And sometimes we get ourselves into that situation. Like the sign is so clear, <laughs> like go another way, turn around, seek some counsel. But we're like, eh, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> we're already this far into it. By golly, I'm just going to keep going. And she's got a bunch of stuff from Egypt <laughs> in her house. And, you know, we know what Egypt's about. Egypt, again, it's a representation of the world. So she's married, and she's got a bunch of stuff from the world. It's like, how many signs does this guy need before he stays away? And, and, like, run. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, you know, it's never too late to run. The Bible says to flee youthful lusts, run away, flee youthful desires. It didn't say, think about it, pretend, cozy up next to, you know, it just said flee. Like some things we don't need a decision tree on. <laughs> if it's lust, flee it. <laughs> if it looks like lust, smells like lust, if they're telling you they're married and they've got a bunch of stuff from the world, just run. <laughs> okay? It's, some things it's just, we don't need a decision tree on. It's just, but we're human. <laughs> and we've got emotions. We've got feelings. You know, and we have different things that we're trying, that we're, we want. You know, I want it. You know, Samson, you know, he, he got himself into that situation. With her many, 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 many persuasions, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. And then it says, in verse 22, suddenly he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, not knowing the outcome. And to which the young man would reply, the slaughter? Are you the slaughter? Solomon, you, th you think I'm going to the Solomon? Have you seen this decision that I'm about to make? Have you seen her? <laughs> have you seen him? Have you seen that house or that car? Or have you seen this job decision? This job, how much it's going to pay me? Have you, have you seen the slaughter? I'm not going to the slaughter. This is just like a one-night thing. I, Solomon, you're crazy. This is just a one deal. This is one decision. It's not going to hurt me. I'll be home in the morning. It's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's my body. I can do whatever I want. I'm in control. The slaughter. Solomon says, this dude's going to the slaughter, but he doesn't know it. And sometimes, we, hey, we get our, <laughs> it's the slaughter and we don't even know it. It's, it's your life is being ruined and you don't even know it. You're on a path to destruction and you don't even know it. And that's, how, and that's how we get. And Solomon is like, dude, don't. It's the slaughter. You don't want to go there. You know, my wife went on vegetarian or meat strike a couple years ago after she watched some of those PETA things. And I'm like, turn that off. <laughs> it's in my house. And I slept on the couch. But that's the picture. You've got all these beef cattle, and they are going to the slaughter, and they're just happy about it. <laughs> They're just going, you know, they're just looking at the cow in front of them. <laughs> yes, I almost said something else. And they're just happy about it. They're just, you know, they're just s smashed in there on the truck and on the farm and to the warehouse they go. And they're happy about being slaughtered. And I'm happy there. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy too. <laughs> There's going to be some steak on my plate later. But the slaughter. Solomon, are you serious? No, Solomon. This is, I've got this. I can handle this. I'm, I'm good here, Solomon. I got this, I got this taken care of. 
I've, I've got this. As one in stocks going to the correction to be given to a fool until an arrow pierced his liver with a mortal wound. Solomon, dude, Solomon, like, let's have this conversation again. I'm not getting pierced. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. This is just a one-night thing. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be at work again tomorrow. We'll figure this whole thing out tomorrow. But right now, I'm good. <laughs> Solomon, I'm, I'm fine. So some, saying, some translations even says, some, yeah, the heart. So the New, Land, the New Living Translation says it pierced the heart. And again, I'm not a medical scholar, but if you remove your heart, if you pierce your heart, you're going to die. If you don't have a liver, you're not going to live that long, and you're not going to, and if you do live very long, you're not going to probably have a very enjoyable life um, because the liver does a whole slew of things. I looked them up on, online this week, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to list them all off to you. But, you know, the heart, the liver, if you remove it. And so sometimes we make decisions like, hey, I know this could pierce my hand, but really it's piercing your heart or your liver, these vital organs that we need as a body. And what sometimes we don't always get is that we are part of a, a bigger body, a Christ body. We're part of the church. And sometimes we're making decisions off here by ourselves and like, it's just going to pierce our hand. You know, like, it can pierce my hand and it's going to be okay. But that decision you just made, it's piercing the heart. It's piercing our liver. And so, I know this is, we're Western civilization, Western culture, and man, they're going to, I'm doing my own thing. But sometimes, again, we got to step back and remember, hey, I'm a part of something here. I'm together in this. My brothers and my sisters, they need me. They need me to make good, wise decisions because we're building something here, praise God. Like a bird fluttering straight into the net. He did not know that it would cost him his life. He says, now therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her evil and moral paths. Verse 26 says, for she has cast down many, mortally wounded, Indeed, all who were killed by her were strong. And so when I was talking to the Lord about this, I'm like, Lord, do you know who I have to speak to tonight? I'm like, these people are doing better than I am. I'm like, these people have been walking with the Lord longer than I have. And then it was this verse. It says, indeed, all who were killed by her were strong. They were strong. And when I look out and I see some of you and you're strong, and it's like, I'm thinking, God, you know, man, it would never happen to them. It could never happen to her or him or that family. And God's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they were strong. The things that, and we can look into our own personal friend, group friends, and you've seen them on Facebook, and, and you're like, wow, how did it happen to them? How in the world did it happen to them. And it's like, wow, <laughs> some good people, friends, family. And you're like, how did it happen to them? And then the story comes out. And they were having like a, you know, they were going off to the dance party. Like this ain't, this decision, I, this is, man, I'm, this is just 
This is nothing. I'm good. I have this. It's all together. And Solomon's like, no. And God's like, no. No. It's going to pierce you. It's going to pierce your heart. It's going to pierce your liver. And we just can't afford any strong people to be taken. I can't afford for you to be taken. And if you look down the aisle or if you look across in a small group setting, hey, we can't afford for each other to be taken. Life's too short. I mean, God is coming back way too quickly for you to be thinking it's a one-time decision and it takes you down a path that takes you away from the body, that takes you away from God. It's, it's just happening way too quickly. And so you let's not be numbered among those that were strong. Let's be strong. Let's stay strong. Let's decide to pre-decide. Let's say, hey, before we get ourselves in these decisions, man, I'm going to cover it in prayer. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to seek the Word. I'm going to find this in the Word. I'm going to get in the Word. I want to study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't have to be ashamed. When I stand before God or I stand before people, I don't have to be ashamed because I found it in the Word, and it's in the Word. And, man, I got my pastor's approval. I have my spouse's approval. I have my trusted sphere of people around me. I'm taking personal accountability. I've examined my past. I've looked at my future. I know where I am right now, and this is a good decision for me, for my family. I'm taking personal accountability. I'm not just going to be a hearer of God's Word. I'm not just going to listen to Pastor Weekly, have these awesome messages on holiness or a family or the different things that we hear, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make good financial decisions. I'm not just going to spend my money anyhow I want to, because, hey, because we're in a stewardship campaign, because it's all God's. It's not my money. It's God's money. He gave me the job. He gave me the benefits. I'm going to honor him with my time, talent, and treasure. Praise God. I'm closing. Somebody come save me or save the audience. (laughs) Save the listeners online. Verse 27 says, Our house is the way to the place of the dead, descending to the chambers of, of death. And sometimes these immoral paths that we can find ourselves on, it goes straight to death. It's straight to the place of the dead, to be with the dead people. I don't want to be hanging out with dead people. I don't want to be numbered with the dead. I want to be numbered with the living. Praise God. And again, so every decision, if you want to stand with me tonight, every decision is important. No decision can be taken lightly. Every decision is important. If you were to ask Adam and Eve when you get to heaven, what were you thinking? Abraham. I mean, he's old. She was probably unwilling. She probably didn't want to. A few seconds of joy for someone. Massive decisions that we're still dealing with today, thousands of years ago. Abraham's like, okay, Sarai, I'll do it. It's like, whoa. And today, we're, I mean, we're in some of the biggest wars and battles of our country and our brothers and sisters in Christ overseas being bombed and slaughtered because some man just, oh, yeah, let's do it. Just not even thinking about it. 
And you can look down through the annals of time and look at all the people in the Bible and just some of these, David, just, man, just being on the rooftop. Split decision, not even thinking about it. I'm the king. I do whatever I want. It's my body. It's my kingdom. These decisions, they can cost us. They can cost our church. They can cost your home. So every decision, we have to make it. Every decision, every decision cannot be taken lightly because there is a consequence, good or bad, that is going to come at some point. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But at some point, that decision is going to come. The payday of that decision is going to come. Praise God. Heavenly Father, you all can find a place to pray help God Lord help to to do something with Lord what I've said tonight Jesus Father I pray Lord that you would change that word for me to their hearts God Jesus Lord I just pray over our community here at Refuge God that every decision we make Lord would be bathed in prayer God oh God help us to bathe everything in prayer that we do Lord God help us not just to be an island by ourselves Lord out making decisions Lord, not being able to see the cost, not being able to see that future payday, God, of those decisions. Oh, God, help us, Lord, to find it in your word. God, help your word, Lord, just to come alive to us, to become real, just to become just a principle, God, that we can live by, Jesus. Oh, God, help us to seek wise counsel. Oh, Lord, help us to humble ourselves before each other, God. Help us to submit to one another. God, help us to not be prideful, Lord, but just to come humbly and say, hey, is this a good idea? Help me, Pastor. Help me, help me, Lord, to make good decisions. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh.